Midlife in our 40s and 50s can be a challenging time. So many things are changing. Our bodies, our health, our relationships, our work, our responsibilities, our dreams. We try to balance everything, but sometimes it can be a struggle to keep our bodies calm in the face of adversity, our minds consistent against distractions, and our hearts dependable in defiance of enticement. But what if we gain greater self-knowledge to gain wisdom? Wisdom to acknowledge and handle our ignorance, uncertainties and limitations. Wisdom to know that whilst we can certainly achieve external success using our strengths, we can also gain character acknowledging our weaknesses. And the wisdom to know that whilst a lot is up to us, other factors such as luck, societal expectations and perhaps fate itself conspire to test our journey through midlife. A journey from which we might not only ask, what do I want from life, but what does life want from me? Drawing on a myriad of research from scientific studies, philosophy, life coaching techniques and anecdotal tales, the Midlife Maps podcast provides a reliable source of introductory information for this much understudied and often forgotten period of our lives. So join the Midlife Maps podcast as we find a map to navigate that. Crikey, I can't fit anything else in. Hey there, my name's Samantha Sashin and welcome to Midlife Maps, the show for navigating our 40s and 50s. Today on our show, I'm joined by Melinda Rashford, my super duper co-host, and we're talking about, so are you busy? Most of us have have at some time entered the jungle of busyness, the jungle whereby no matter what we do or how hard we try, we can't seem to successfully exit this jungle. But how do we confidently exit this jungle in such a way that personally suits us and makes our journey a little less chaotic? Well, stay with us because we're going to come up with a map to navigate that. But first, Sam and I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, owners of the land that we gather here today and pay our respect to Elders past, present and emerging. We recognise their connection to country and role in caring for and maintaining country over thousands of years. Thanks, Mal. So why can this jungle be tricky? Well, one of the problems we face is that of status, whereas the standard conversational opener used to be, so what do you do? This is now morphed to, so are you busy? And though most of us will begrudgingly nod our heads that we are, this state has actually become a quasi-status symbol. We face the subtle cultural pressure to always use our time in the most productive way possible, to always produce a tangible outcome or efficiently cross things from our never-ending lists. The idea of not doing so is seen as lazy and something to be frowned upon by both ourselves and others. So, Mel, do you have... Do you put pressure on yourself sometimes to always be doing something? I do, Sam. I think it's it's a real dilemma for so many people. And for myself personally, I think the desire and need to be multitasking all the time, it's something we have to fight against because I find myself, I can only justify sitting down and having a, cop, a cuppa or reading when it, when it's rainy outside. I must be doing something or that multitasking drive it's amazing how it comes in and we internalize it and then even you know you know I can't watch tv in the daytime unless I'm cooking do you know I've got to justify my time or and but I don't hold other people to the same standards 
Mm. I, I just do it myself. So it's that's interesting, isn't it? How we we do it. We put the pressure on ourselves. I know that I always think I should be writing through the day and not reading. Yeah. But of course, one of the main sources of information for a writer is to read Reading things. It's part of the preparation. <laughs> it's amazing how, and that conundrum that we're putting on ourselves and that internal struggle is like, oh, what should I do next? Oh, I've got to make sure my time is productive. And Indeed. It's just um, this constant fight, isn't mm. it? It is a constant fight. Mm. And we have outside pressures seemingly being put on us, whether they're real or perceived it doesn't really matter the point is that we feel that we need to be doing something yeah, all the time and be right. kept busy that's amazing isn't it mm-hmm. what we do. and we wouldn't put it on other people we try to educate other people to say you know slow down and yeah. you know take the time to re- relax or you know mm-hmm. but on, for ourselves and I think everyone's got that and whatever that decision is that they're choosing they've all got that internal should I should be doing something should be doing that Ah, uh, the famous word that Ooh. that should be eliminated from the dictionary. That's we right. should do this. We should do that. We should take it out of the dictionary. <laughs> Maybe we <Oops>. will. <laughs> okay, so what can we gain? What would it look like if we were to navigate our way successfully out of this jungle of busyness? The pursuit of an exit, exit from this jungle of busyness is important, otherwise we may find ourselves in a perpetual state of exhaustion, unable to navigate our way out of the tiring jungle. But it's actually imperative that we persevere with finding our way out for the sake of our own health. There are at least five benefits that come to mind. Number one, having downtime to think through issues and problem solve. Uh, secondly, finding ourselves feeling less stressed and burnt out if we take away some element of busyness. We could find ourselves being happier, allowing us to be aware of what's important to us. Being less busier also takes the focus from ourselves and what we need to get done and changes it to focusing on our relationships and how we can enhance them. And finally, being less busy frees our brains from just being in survival mode to being creative. So, Mel, what would it look like for you if you had the benefit of not being so busy? Well, the, those pointers that you just mentioned, the five um, five benefits there for our own health, the one that stands out for me is being burnt out, that how that le- the stress level and the anxiety, you're always constantly fighting that feeling of um, your cup half is half empty, mm. that, that feeling. And so... Have, being able to um, step back from things can help your perspectives, help you see things a little bit different and a little bit clearer and actually gain gain that um, space enough in your head to say, okay, I'm taking a step back here. Now I'm going to approach it in an orderly fashion mm. because that burnt out and that fight or flight survival mode can um, really see your decision-making just, you know, sporadically spiral out of control and then then you suddenly wonder why life's a bit hectic and things are happening and it's such reasons and things are happening for you and you that you didn't want to happen the outcomes changing your outcomes yeah definitely it reminds me of the analogy that I think most people have where great ideas come to you in the shower mm. or when you're driving yes so when your brain is at rest 
just going through a routine task of driving where you really are on autopilot for the most part or in the shower, you have some great ideas or even on the toilet, (laughs) you have some great ideas come to you, which I think is a, a small example of what the brain can do if you just give it the space to let it just do its thing and let creativity come into it without crowding it all the time with tasks that it has to complete. It's, um, you know, I think it's such a modern world, but stripping it all away, our mind does need to be, um, have that space to do it because otherwise we're just forcing. And when we try to force things, Mm. Nothing good can come of that all mm. the time. It can't. It can't. It's not sustainable. Mm. So, well, apparently, back. Albert Einstein used to, when he was a, a a lecturer at university, he used to spend hours just gazing out of the window, mm-hmm. just daydreaming, seemingly, but he was obviously processing thoughts okay. and whatnot. But he was giving his brain the space to yeah. come up with creative yeah. ideas, and obviously. Look how that worked out. I found for myself um, when I'm sitting in a computer, I'm trying to um, churn out words or I'm trying to um, work and do the things that I need to do. Um, If I just, I need to go for a walk and that's when it all, so for you in the shower, for me walking, at all, and I, I, may, I may be practising different things, but um, the walking can allow me that time to, get that bright spark that I was looking for or that um, problem solving and fix fix those things. Definitely, definitely. I found also that if I just slow down, the actual physical act of slowing down, doing what I'm doing, gets the job done faster actually. Yes. If I rush continually, I'm not talking about the odd moment, if you like, or the odd half an hour where you do have to pick up the pace, I'm talking about the overall day. If I actually slow down in the physical doing of it, I actually find that the job gets done a lot uh, more efficiently and to a to a higher degree. And of course, I'm not as knackered yes. by the end of the day because I haven't rushed and then crashed. Yeah. So, I do you find think you're less likely? Sorry, Sam. Do you think you're less likely to? Um, miss oversteps if you're slowing down so it's a physicality yes actually physically I actually physically uh, slow down what I'm doing and that seems to slow my brain down a little and things just get done a little more efficiently and in a calmer method and I think more things get done yes which we're talking about (laughs) the things of busyness busy and Obviously, there are some times, some days, some weeks where you do have a lot on your to-do list, which you just have to get done, whether it's doing your tax return or, uh, you know, your your books for your husband's business or taking, you know, people around, whatever it is. Some weeks are busy, busier than others. But I find that if I actually physically slow down the way I perform the tasks, Mm. my stamina stays could it Longer. be? Could it be also that um, it's a you know it feels like that time and space is a luxury, but really it's it's a need. Mm. It's not a want. It's actually a need. We func- need to functionally slow down 
to produce. Yes, I think to, so. To be more pro- I think so. productive and efficient. I think so. It sounds counterintuitive. Yeah. And it's a bit hard to do in the beginning, mm. but with like anything else with practice, I've found that it really works really works for me. So mm. there you go. There's an example. So we're stuck in this jungle of busyness. What are some tips to get out of this jungle? Well, I'm glad you asked. If we're going to have any chance of finding our way out of this jungle of busyness, we need to push back against cultural expectations that prioritise the completion of tasks that can perhaps be mastered and later assessed over pursuits of the intellect and imagination. Furthermore, we may may be surprised to realise that perceptions modernity has given us less time to get things done are actually false. In fact, numerous studies have found that from the 20th century onwards, we are actually working the same number of hours as as our forebears and that ironically, we actually have increased numbers of hours available to us for leisure pursuits. So perhaps it's not that we don't have enough free time, but that we're not utilising it in a way that allows our intellects, imagination or creativity to flourish. So what if we read a book instead of watch television or built a chair in our workshop instead of watching cat videos on YouTube? Seen this way, we realise it's not the quantity of time available to us that's the problem, but rather the quality of how we're utilising it. Whilst technology has undoubtedly improved many aspects of our lives, this jungle of busyness is riddled with technologies that continually keeps us connected and contactable. In this way, it's difficult to define the boundaries between work hours and leisure hours. So if we're to navigate this jungle in a meaningful way, we need to set boundaries between these times and communicate this to others. Furthermore, the way modern work hours are now distributed is having an adverse effect on our ability to connect with other people within this jungle for social interactions. While certain periods of the year will obviously cause scheduling havoc for social interactions, we must still prioritise our connections with others if we're to ward off mental and emotional distress. So three main areas we can start with are, number one, we can prioritise intellectual, imaginative and creative pursuits. That is, instead of always focusing on completing tangible, productive tasks, we can A, pretend we're living in Jane Austen's time and imagine how people of this time amuse themselves without the default option of TV. Or B, we can consistently set aside an hour each day to turn off the TV and pursue an intellectual, imaginative or creative activity or just daydream looking at the landscape. Or C, we can declutter hours in our children's times of scheduled activities and balance it with times for free, unstructured exploration. The second thing we can do is we can set boundaries. Instead of always having to have the phone with us, We can A, determine our hours of work and include a buffer zone either side for unexpected demands, or B, we could ensure our leisure time is blocked off and unnegotiable and is enjoyed by being uncontactable, or C, we can reduce the number of organised activities we attend and balance it with time to do as we wish. And the third way is we can stay connected with others. Instead of just hoping we'll be able to catch up with friends, We can A, ensure we catch up in person with at least one different friend each week. Or B, we can carve out a non-negotiable time each week that's dedicated to checking in on several people by phone. Or C, we can always leave it to others to organise events 
but commit to organising one of our own once a month to ensure friendships are maintained. So Mel, what do you think of those? What do you think of those suggestions? Do any any in particular stand out for you? Um, well, I was just thinking like an item one when you say we can prioritise our intellectual and imaginative and creative pursuits. So, you know, some people may not relate to be able to live with Jane Austen times, um, but that also taking away the television and taking away those things, I'm just thinking of times where I've really enjoyed where they're not being available. And like where we live, we have power outages a lot. So... Um, that's something that's you know we just live with, and when that does happen, okay, we might all go, oh, the power's out. But wow, when you start to stop and go, the power's out, <laughs> and you can t- you take away all the those things, hmm. and you can just and you find yourself talking to others and that making those connections again. So, so you're suggesting we should cut the uh, power. From our yes. houses. No one needs to know. It's cheaper too. <laughs> it's cheaper too. That's right. That's right. So we heard it first from Mel. We should cut, cut the power from our it houses. It doesn't just have to be when we go camping and we're right. off grid. It can be what, you know, we could just say this is, yeah. you know, and, and a day where we're not going inside or we're, you know, we're talking about, you know, ideal times. So mm. it can't, like you said, it can't always be done. It's not always achievable. But just actually stopping and thinking, oh, we are actually doing it, being mm. aware of the times and mindful of the times that you are actually achieving this. Um, and it doesn't have to be saved up until you're totally burnt out and then go, oh, we need a holiday. <laughs> These things need to be progressively slotted into our times mm. and our weeks. Mm. And perhaps looking at, let's say, the example of a power cut to your mm. home, once you've rescued your frozen meat and whatnot and, and made sure that you've got some sort of warmth in the middle of winter, you can perhaps look at it as not a deficit but an opportunity yeah. yes. to hop into bed perhaps and read a book. That's right. Or That's... play a board game with the family yeah. or your partner. That's right. Uh, yet lots of other things that you could do. Well, bringing it back around, I mean, I know we haven't talked about it, but and I know... Um, COVID times, mm. think about that. Um, it, it caused a lot of angst throughout the world and, and you know, at different times it fluctuated. It was quite a roller coaster that we all went through. But um, also it, I found it a bit of a blessing. We, could, we, we were able to step back from some of the our daily um, things that were really pressed on us. Mm. So we were able to step back a little bit and just go, Oh, this is mm. nice. So, you know, that that mm. kind of time gave everybody that connectivity again. It it took it away in some ways, but also with our immediate families, we were able to. Me personally, I was able to um, connect um, and spend more time mm. with the people I live with. Definitely, definitely. Yes, it was definitely a time for resetting and reanalyzing priorities. Mm. I was thinking of a more recent example oh. that we had, you and I, Mel, going yeah. recently coming back from a cruise where due to technology we were uncontactable yes. for quite a few days, I think six, seven, maybe eight days. And at first, once we got over the initial shock of it all, 
of, oh my goodness, what will they do without us? Oh my goodness, we're cut off from knowing what's going on with them. I don't know about you, but I actually found it quite liberating. There you go. Yes, I actually found it quite liberating to not be contactable for a short period of time where it was purely focused on what I could do for myself, what I could think, what I could feel without any of that. External? Yes, external inputs, if you like, coming in. And it was almost like a bit of an experiment to see how you would cope and how you would adjust. And I realised that that wouldn't be the case for everybody. I was speaking to another passenger who had a daughter back home with disabilities. So she was a little concerned with the non-contact. So I'm not saying this is for everybody, but it was an interesting experiment, I thought, of Mm. how you could react or how you would see it. And it ties into the, why I'm bringing that up, is it ties into the area of busyness because that ties into the second suggestion of setting boundaries where in today's work life, a lot of people are working from home, obviously, and even the people who do work from home, have a business from home, can find it difficult to set boundaries between work time and leisure time and customers calling very much at so. different yeah. times. So um, various people that I know that own a business, they'll have people send them a text message at 2 a.m. in the morning to see, to make an inquiry for the next day for something. And so setting boundaries, I think, is very important in relation to time. Yes. So that our the quality of time that we have is respected and given that priority. I, th- I think you're right, and and that, that we're all accessible by phones, texts, emails, and that's to a modern conundrum where, you know, oh, but it's just quickly, I'll just respond. Well, you might respond to that one, and that might you think that's a sing- singular one. But then over time you you find yourself, you know, and then that's taking up your brain capacity mm-hmm. because you're taking it away from where you are in the moment, whether it's with your family or just having time on your own. That's taking up that space that you have allowed you, yourself and allocated for yeah. yourself. So you just tend to give it away. Mm-hmm. So going away, like you say, yes. being non-contactable, and um, just thinking about yourself and thinking about what you can do in that moment and mindfulness. Mm, exactly. Mm. I think it comes back to the old adage that time is the one thing that we can't get back. And yeah. perhaps in this day and age we forget that because we're swamped by so many other priorities and interests and distractions that we forget how precious time is mm. and really this whole topic today is filtering down into that time is the precious commodity here yes. that it's not that we have less time studies have shown that we have the same amount of time available to us as our forebears it's what we do with the time that matters yes that's right and it, and like you say unnegotiable yes that, that's quite a term we don't 
use for ourselves in, in, yes. in that um, respect. That's much. true. Yeah. That's true. So if we were to conclude to get out of this jungle, how do we know when we're out of this jungle of busyness? Well, really it's when we feel that we've found a balance in our lives. Balance is really the key to a a well-lived life in a lot of ways other than the relationships we have with other human beings because it's just the glue that holds our lives together. If it's out of balance, our individual lives, that's when we obviously know about it. But I think it's interesting that in some ways, we're all quite ignorant of knowing when our life is in balance. We don't really know what that looks like. So it takes some conscious thought to get out of this jungle to put our lives back into balance. And that can only be done individually. So what your life may look like in a balanced way for you, Mel, mm. may be different to me. So it's an individual, it's an individual map that we need to yes. get out of this jungle of busyness. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I and I think it and it ties in to doing a little bit each day, like everything in life. Balance is always that key word that I personally have come back to all the time. I don't always get it right at all. But um it's monitoring it and um being able to put things in place and not wait until you're totally you 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 know, you're totally um out of balance. But being able to recognize what do I need to keep myself balanced? What do I need in my life? And what, you know, and how often do I need it? Mm. Some people might need more of that going for walks and getting out or sitting and reading and things or being in the garden, whatever it may be. Some people might need more, like you say, it's an individual mm. thing, but, um, or even being connected with others. Um, you know, and the quality of those relationships that you have. You know, um, but it, it's it's something it's that needs re evaluating all the time, mm -hmm. reviewing all the time, and what is it I need? Oh, I'm not doing. You know, I'm feeling recognizing with yourself. I'm feeling not quite right. Mm. Okay, so what's happening in my life right now? Mm. What what's where can I um, make some adjustments? Exactly. Well said, Mel. Well, that's a wrap from Mel and I. Hope that we've helped you find your individual maps, giving you some ideas on how to create your individual maps to get out of this jungle of busyness that we all find ourselves in from time to time. As always, you can find maps on other interesting topics on the Midlife Maps website. Thanks for listening, and as you continue to navigate midlife, remember, in the insightful words of Guns and Roses, welcome to the jungle. <laughs>